Good morning, everyone. I want to encourage you to open your Bible to uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10, uh, and we're going to read uh, the entirety of this chapter. So let's continue our worship uh, as we hear the word of the Lord together. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is saying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, 
God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor, sent the Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So reads God's word. Thank you, David. Uh, let me pray. Father, we want to thank you so much that we have your word. Uh, and as we look at it together now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, work in our hearts, uh, would help us to uh, understand, uh, would change us. Uh, so please be present, work among us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So something I really enjoy is hearing people give their testimonies. Um, and I hope you'll agree that it's always a real encouragement uh, to hear people tell how God has worked in their lives uh, to bring them into a relationship uh, with him. Our conversion stories are all really different. Uh, some are really dramatic. Uh, they happen at all sorts of ages. Some of you uh, will be saved, will have been saved when you were young children. Uh, for others, it would be much uh, later in life. But although they're different, they are all amazing, amazing miracles. Uh, and that's what we have uh, in this account in Acts 10. It's a wonderful conversion story. It's the story of how God saved Cornelius, the Roman centurion. Now, Cornelius' conversion is a really, really significant one. Uh, 
he's the first Gentile to hear the gospel from an apostle and be converted. Uh, and again, this conversion was accompanied by specific movements of the Holy Spirit, like we, came, like we saw when we were looking at Pentecost and when the gospel went to the Samaritans. So this conversion marks the gospel breaking new ground, going to a new group of people as the good news spreads to the end of the earth. And that wider significance of the conversion, I expect we'll look more at next week. Uh, but this morning, what, what I want to do is more look specifically at Cornelius's conversion and help us to see how God miraculously arranged all the events uh, to bring it about. Um, and just like when we hear someone's testimony, I pray that this will be a great encouragement to you this morning as you see God at work. And it'll also be a challenge to you to be used by God in this great mission of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. So let's look at Cornelius. What do we read about him in uh, verse 2? We read that he's devout. We read that he's God-fearing. At 3 o'clock was the time of prayer, so he's praying at the time that we meet him. Uh, we read about his generosity. So we can tell from, from these words that God has already been at work in Cornelius's life at this point. We don't know how it has happened. We're not told all the background of his whole life story. Uh, but God has been at work so that at this point, Cornelius believes that God exists. He prays to him. God has convinced him of his existence. And his belief in God has affected how he lives, with his given to those in need. Uh, we read later that he's respected by all the Jewish people in the way that he lives. But at this point, he's not yet a Christian. So I, I think there's a bit of a warning for us there. It, it kind of shows us how much like a Christian we can look. Uh, we can acknowledge that we believe in God. We can pray. We can go to church. But we can still not be trusting in Jesus for our salvation. Cornelius still needs to hear and respond to the gospel. And so God continues to work in his life that he might come in contact with the gospel, that I might hear the good news of Jesus dying and rising again and know his sins forgiven. So that's what God does. He continues to work in his life. Um, and he does it in quite a spectacular way. From verse four, to, or verse three to six, uh, we, we read about uh, this vision, how God sends an angel to speak to him and tell him uh, to send the men to Joppa to go and get Peter. So what about you? I want you to take a minute now and think back on your own conversion. Some, but probably few, have had visions or an angel appear uh, like Cornelius had. But can you notice the way 
that God graciously worked in your life, the way he ordered the events that you might hear the gospel. Maybe he caused you to be born into a Christian home uh, and your parents shared the gospel with you for, from a young age uh, and you can't really not remember not believing in God. Maybe you brought a Christian friend into your life at some point uh, who could see the gospel effect in their life uh, and they spoke to you about Jesus. Maybe he brought you through some crisis, some experience of life uh, that showed you that you needed him. Or maybe he brought you to a church meeting a bit like this, uh, where you heard the gospel preached and the Holy Spirit moved and enabled you to respond. For every one of you that are Christians, God has miraculously worked in your life to reveal himself and miraculously arranged the events that you would hear the gospel at exactly the right time. For me, it was when I was in my final year in school, when I was 17. Uh, some things had happened that made me wonder what life was all about, what was the point of all the things that I was doing. And just at the same time as that, he started, I started to become some friends, uh, our friends with some of the Christians that were in my year that I hadn't really been very friendly with up to that point. These were kind of simple things that it would be easy to, to skip over and say, that's, that's kind of just what, what happened, that's just what happens. Um, but in reality, God was miraculously at work. He was ordering events that had become friendly with those people, that, that it worked in my heart to cause me to, to consider uh, who he was and what, uh, what life was all about. And as well as being at work in my life, God was at work in my friend's life. Uh, they had all decided that this last year at school was the last chance uh, where they were going to be uh, with all the people in our year that they had grown up and been through school with. So instead of focusing on their own studies or their own activities, God caused them to want to make a real concerted effort in that last year to share the gospel with their, with their friends. And so they had all these uh, lunchtime prayer meetings and they organized different events uh, where they shared their testimonies, they got along speakers, uh, lots of things. Uh, it was just an amazing time and I'm so thankful for the way that God worked in my life and in their life at that time. So think back on how you became a Christian and notice all those details of God at work to draw you to himself. Look for his fingerprints, maybe some that you've not noticed so much before or maybe skimmed over. And let that cause you to worship him, praise him, love him more. But maybe you're not yet a Christian. And I would argue that the very fact that you're here this morning or that you're listening online, I have to look at the camera now, uh, is the fact that God is at work in your life to reveal himself. You're not here by accident. 
This might be that day when God brings you into contact with the gospel message in such a way that you can't resist any longer and you accept his offer of salvation. But God wasn't just at work in Cornelius' life in this account. He was also at work in Peter's life so that he might bring the gospel message to Cornelius. We've looked at how Peter's already been mightily used by God at this point. Uh, He preached that powerful sermon on Pentecost. Last week, we were looking at how he healed people and how he even raised Tabitha from the dead. But there was this huge barrier in the way of Peter bringing the gospel to a Gentile Roman soldier like Cornelius. In this case, it was a cultural religious barrier. Peter's a Jew, and Jews uh, didn't associate with Gentiles. They didn't go into their homes. They didn't eat with them, with them because they saw Gentiles as unclean because of the way that they lived, the things that they ate, the things that they did made Gentiles unclean. And so if they went into their home or ate with them, they would become ceremonially unclean as well. And it's, I think it's kind of hard for us to grasp just what a huge deal this was uh, and what a huge barrier it was to Peter going to a Gentile's home to share the gospel. But God was working in Peter's life to overcome these barriers. Uh, And we're now in verses, we're in 9 to 16, where we read about Peter praying in the roof of the house. And he has this vision of this sheet coming down from heaven. And in the sheet are all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds. There would have been clean animals there and unclean animals that Jews weren't allowed to eat. But because they're all mixed together, everything there is unclean. And God tells Peter, kill some food and eat it. And Peter is really, really shocked. This is just not allowed. But God tells Peter that he is the one that can make unclean things clean. Peter's not to, read in verse 15, call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happens three times then, so that Peter gets a message. If you know the story of Peter, there's lots of things happened three times where he denied knowing Jesus three times. He was then graciously restored by Jesus three times. So this three times that seeing this vision would really have hit home uh, to Peter. God knew him intimately and he knew how to challenge him uh, to break down this great barrier. So in verse 17 then, Peter is still wondering what exactly this vision is all about. When the men from Cornelius arrive at the gate, you just have to be amazed at the timing of all of this. Uh, Cornelius seeing the angels, sending the men, Peter having the vision, the men just arrive at the gate. Uh, God has arranged all of these events. 
And so Peter doesn't turn the Gentile men away. Instead, he invites them in to be his guests. Uh, and the next day, he goes with him to Cornelius's house to bring the gospel to them, to speak to them about Jesus. So let's stop again here and think about ourselves. Uh, as we've been saying already in our service, we are involved as a church, as individuals, in God's mission to bring the gospel to all people, to the ends of the earth. But two questions. Who are the people God wants us and wants you to speak to about Jesus? And what are the barriers that are stopping you speaking to them? I think the answer to the first question is maybe a bit easier. Because right now, it's the people whose lives God has placed you in. For some of you in the future, you might be called to go to another country, to go somewhere else. But right now, you're to share the gospel with the people you go to school with, the people you work with, the people you live beside, family members, just the people you happen to meet each day, day by day, in the shops, the bus, the gym, uh, wherever you are. It's not by accident or by chance that you meet the people that we meet every day as we go about our business. But the second question, uh, the barriers. Now, we don't have the same barrier that Peter did, but there must be barriers. Uh, because if you're like me, there's weeks go by and weeks go by, and I don't share the gospel with anybody. So there must be barriers. So what might some of those barriers be? Uh, maybe we think we don't know exactly what to say. We're frightened of saying the wrong thing, of getting it wrong, of putting people off. Maybe we fear they'll reject us, they'll think we're mad. Uh, Maybe we think it isn't something acceptable to talk to people about. It's not an acceptable a topic of conversation and it's going to offend them. We might think we're too busy with other things uh, or we just don't seem to get the importance and the urgency. Or maybe we even think it's a job for others, for professional evangelists out there. All sorts of barriers. So how do we overcome those barriers? Firstly, pray about it. Did you notice that Peter received this vision when he was praying? And that, that then changed his outlook. We need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit to be at work in us and at work in those we need meet, so we need to be praying. Secondly, I'd encourage you to seek to grow in your love for Jesus and just in your realization of how wonderful it is to be a Christian. Sins forgiven, peace with God, adopted into God's family, one of his children, at peace with God, uh, eternal life, a church family to belong to, an inexpressible joy, a purpose to life, 
the gift of the Holy Spirit working within us, the list just goes on and on. So be so amazed by all that Jesus has done for you and his love for you that you just can't help speak about him. It kind of just bubbles out. And then thirdly, try to develop a love for evangelism. Maybe that sounds like a strange uh, expression, a love for evangelism. Uh, but one of my lectures uh, on the course I'm doing says that you develop a love by doing. Um, he says that there are lots of things in life that you can be nervous or frightened about. Uh, he gives some examples like riding a bike, swimming, things like that, uh, that you're nervous about until you do them, and then you start to enjoy them and to develop a love for them. Now, I, I think there is some, something in that because I, I think it does resonate with my experience. And so if we start speaking to others about Jesus, we can develop a greater love, and then we'll speak more. So pray, uh, So, I, so I, want, I just want that there to encourage you and challenge you to, to try and put this into practice, uh, to identify what these barriers are, pray about them, uh, and maybe just start by seeking one opportunity to speak to one person. Uh, start small. And start today and pray each day that God might give you that opportunity uh, and then be on the lookout for it. And then when it arrives, uh, I just like in verse 34 then, when Peter starts to speak to Cornelius, in the ESV, the way it starts verse 34 is, uh, Peter opened his mouth. So pray for the opportunity, look for the opportunity, and when it comes, open your mouth like Peter did. And what came out of Peter's mouth then? Well, it was a message all about Jesus. Now, don't think Luke's recorded every word that Peter said when he went to Cornelius's house, but he's given us this brilliant summary of the gospel here, uh, the gospel in a nutshell, if you like. So what's the message of the gospel? If you look at verse 36, it's the good news of peace through Jesus Christ is Lord of all. It's good news. It's good news of true peace with God, with each other, with ourselves. And it's all through Jesus Christ. All possible because of what Jesus has done and who he is. Because he is the Lord of all. And then after that statement, uh, Peter goes on then to briefly explain what Jesus has done to make this possible. 37 and 38, Jesus, God himself, came to earth and he started that mission to put things right. He did by doing good, by healing people, by freeing people from the devil's grasp. 
And then, verse 39, he allowed himself to be hung on a cross and killed, becoming a curse, taking our place, taking the punishment that we deserve. And then in verse 40, but God raised him from the dead. And Peter also backs all this, accounting what Jesus has done uh, with, with evidence, with reasons to believe. Uh, and firstly, he points to his own testimony, that him and others saw Jesus risen from the dead, and we can believe and trust in their accounts. And he also points to the way that Jesus' life, death, resurrection, all of that, the mission, uh, has been predicted and prophesied in the Old Testament. Testament. And again, that's something that we can point to too. And finally, he ends the message effectively with with a call to believe. Because in verse 43, we read, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And that's the wonderful gospel message. The good news that you can have true peace with God that it's all because of the Lord Jesus, his life, his death on the cross and his resurrection, defeat and death, and all that our sins might be forgiven. So although every conversion, like we thought about at the start, is unique, and we have all our individual story, uh, there's, there's a pattern. God graciously worked in a life in a multitude of amazing ways to reveal himself. He then miraculously arranged events that the person would come into contact with the gospel and hear about Jesus. And then he enabled them to truly believe in Jesus and put all their trust in him alone for salvation. So to summarize, think over how God has worked in your life Notice his fingerprints and worship him and try to develop this love for evangelism by by doing evangelism. Ask for God's help to identify and overcome the particular barriers and start telling people about Jesus one person at a time. I'm almost finished now, but it just struck me the way verse 36 and 37 start. How does Peter start these sentences? You know the message. You know what happened. Cornelius and the people in in his house had already heard about Jesus. They knew something of what Jesus, who Jesus was and what he had done. They knew the message. They knew what happened. And I think it's unlikely that there's anyone here who hasn't heard the good news about Jesus. But the key question is, have you believed the message? Have you put your trust in Jesus? For me, I had heard the gospel different points in the past, uh, and those friends I told you about, God certainly used them to challenge me afresh. Uh, But it wasn't until the Christmas holidays in my last year at school 
uh, sometime over the holidays and it was clearing out uh, this file that I had. And I came across this booklet in it, this ultimate question, some of you will recognize it. And uh, I don't know how it got there. Somebody must have given it to me in the past and for some reason I didn't throw it in the bin, I put it in this file and I was clearing it out uh, at this Christmas, uh, this Christmas, just at this point when God had been working in all those ways to really challenge me uh, and really uh, help me see uh, that he existed. Uh, ordered all those little things, it just, uh, it just amazes me. Uh, and then as, as I was reading through uh, the booklet, the more I read, the more I realized that I did truly believe uh, what he was reading. I believed in Jesus. I believed he had died for me. Uh, uh, and I wanted to follow him uh, and live for him from that point forward. So I, I pray that God might be doing that this morning for some people here or online. Uh, that he might be working in your life to bring you to the point that you'll believe in Jesus and accept him as your savior. And maybe this is that moment. Uh, we're, we're gonna sing the Apostles' Creed. Uh, it's a song that Valerie had, had chosen this morning. And uh, in it, as you sing it, we affirm what we believe. So, so if God has been speaking to you, if he has been calling to you, I just pray that maybe this song might be helpful for you to sing it to sing it in a way you've never sang it before, uh, to mean the words, and to put your faith in Jesus. And as always, if I can be any help, please speak to me afterwards, or I've got a few copies of this, so if you would like uh, a copy of it, uh, if you think that might be helpful for you, uh, please speak to me as well. So let's stand and sing. <clears throat>